This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Now we can go back to discussing what the, the players in those uniforms would, would potentially be next year. And um, I'll just go back quickly to the Bergeron thing. Um, up until recently, I, I kind of assumed that we were just talking about the centennial season. I do think it's important for him to be part of that season. I think he wants to be part of that season. I think he also wants to help the Bruins transition from him to whoever the next center would be. I don't think he wants to just kind of like leave him in the dust. Even if he gives him a couple months to figure it out, like he knows a couple months in the summertime is tough to replace Bergeron or become close to that. But I didn't, what I didn't know Scott was that he's expecting his fourth child soon. And you know, that's, that's real life stuff right there. And, and to be on the road for 41 games a year, um, when you already have three kids at home, plus the newborn, it's, it's a lot to, to put on your wife. And so that's a wrinkle that I wasn't aware of. Um, they're there a lot. I see his kids are there all the time mm-hmm. running okay. around the locker room, playing with a touch screen. <laughs> yeah. So I don't, I don't know. I don't know what his decision is going to be. I, I do agree with you guys that whatever his decision is, I do believe the Bruins are aware of it. And I guess we'll maybe we'll find some context clues coming up here. What that answer might be. Also, yeah, with the, Sorry, go ahead, Scott. Well, I was going to say like, by the way, we should mention that the NHL awards were, were Monday night and Bergeron won his sixth Selkie trophy second in a row. He now has two more than anyone else in history. And it, obviously like totally deserved. He got 187 of 196 first place votes. And it does fit. It's like, I know there was, you know, there was a slight dip in five on five offense. Like if you, if you wanted to nitpick and try to find an area where there was maybe a tiny bit of drop off, like that's where you'd go. But the all around game is still so good. Like it's uh, not a lot of athletes walk away when they're still one of the best in the game. Like that's, that's hard to do. Cause generally once, once you do that, like you're not coming back after a year away you're not getting it back. So man, like, I don't know. Like, I feel like it'd be really hard for him to walk away. Still being that good, still being, you know, arguably the best 200 foot center in the game. Like that's, yeah, he's obviously still has a lot to offer. And even like we talk about, you know, Oh, it'd be nice if they could, you know, limit his, maybe limit, cut his minutes a little more. Maybe it's more of a second line role, but it's like, realistically though like he was absolutely still good enough to be a first line center last year like that you know there's still his game is obviously still good enough to really make an impact and help the team win and obviously it's unfortunate that you know he suffered the injury at the very end of the season and we didn't get to see him be healthy in the playoffs but 
Um, you know, he doesn't, he didn't need surgery. So that's not a factor. Like he, other than welcoming a newborn with, which throws a wrench into any off season, like he can have a relatively normal off season and, and, you know, work, do all his regular workouts and practices and skating and all that. So I don't know. I mean, if he's walking away, it's definitely with something still in the tank. Like it's not, it's not like he ran until the tires fell off. Yeah. That, that's what kind of blows my mind with the, the talk radio narrative that Bergeron's washed up. It's like, well, he just won another selfie guys. Like he, he had an injury in the playoffs that tainted. I feel like it tainted so many people's thought of where he was this season. And, and also that injury I, I believe we've read through, um, you know, what the treatment for it is. It's not super serious. It's not hard to fix that injury. It's not like he needed surgery. And by the way, he did play in the playoffs. It wasn't keeping him from playing hockey. Was it keeping him from being 100%? Yes. But, like, this wasn't something that is as concerning as I think people look at it and see, and they look at his age. But, look, we've, we've mentioned this before. He played almost an entire season. Um, he still good enough to win another Selkie. Uh, he's not, he's not washed up and he's going to help you with this huge cap, this huge cap struggle that you're having. And by the way, all the awards that the Bruins won last night, Bergeron gets the Selkie. Postnock's the only one who doesn't win, but he's going against McDavid. So, uh, you know, he's a close second or he was, he was maybe a distant second. I don't know. He was second, um, but he got he got the only first place vote that didn't go to McDavid. So I I can't wait. I hope we find out who this writer was at some point, but someone had McDavid fifth. No, <laughs> that is absolutely insane. <laughs> oh God. That guy's going to lose his rights or her. <laughs> he or she is losing their, their vote. <laughs> but so Bergeron wins the Selkie Montgomery wins the Jack Adams. Uh, Vesna for Allmark. Uh, Pasternak and Allmark both got first team uh, NHL All Stars. Lindholm was on second team, uh, the yeah. second team NHL uh, All Stars. So Lindholm that's finished, another... yeah, Lindholm finished fourth in Norris voting and wasn't that far behind Kale McCarr for third. Yeah, and and that's the thing. All of this I'm saying to put in perspective how good a team they had last year that you're not going to be able to keep a good chunk of them. You, you still, you see them going out and getting these awards and yet there's still, you know, controversy over whether Bergeron, you should bring him back or not. I think most people understand the reasons why it would make a lot of sense if you could get him to agree to it. But if you think about all the money that, that they're having to to free up right now to keep the exact same team that they could have had last year. It's just ridiculous how much talent and how much value that team had. Uh, and it's not going to be the same this year. So when you guys were watching the awards last night, Jim Montgomery winning the, the Jack Adams trophy was, was, was well-deserved based on last year's regular season and his story is uh, very inspiring and, and admirable. And uh, you know, regardless of playoff shortcomings, I mean, everybody, I mean, I, I, I said this before in a podcast, like I, I very seldom will help will hold the coach responsible for, for the actions of players, like players play the game coaches. You can drop the X's and O's. You can inspire 
you can, but it's, there's only so much you can do when the puck drops and the, the game is played between the boards and the coach is standing on the bench. So I know Jim Montgomery had some questionable playoff decisions, but I, I, I don't really look at, I really don't, I fault the players first and foremost. So when I watch him win the Jack Adams, I felt great for him. Um, it was, there was no coulda, shoulda, wouldas in my mind because I just was really happy for him. The coulda, shoulda, wouldas in my mind come in when I just see all the Bruins nominated like Pashnak, all the players nominated Pashnak, Allmark, uh, Pashnak twice, Allmark, uh, Bergeron. <laughs> So when you when you guys are watching those awards and 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 you just think back about how the Bruins are just you know up for everything essentially, and and you, you pan to the they pan to the audience and you're seeing the Bruins players surrounded by other players who played for six to eight more weeks more than they did like yeah Kachuk did you guys get those yeah like did you guys well that was an, that was an obvious one right like you have the split screen of of McDavid Pashnak and Kachuk and it's like well. McDavid was over in the Western Conference, but you know Kachuk versus Pashnak, like Kachuk won that battle, and 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 Pasta like had a decent series, and wasn't the reason that the Bruins lost, wasn't the reason that they won ultimately. Kachuk was one of the reasons that Florida did win. But long-winded way of saying, like, when how did you guys feel watching that award show? Was it just another kind of kick in the gut, like, ah, just let's just move on from this season, <laughs> you know? Yeah, I was kind of. So it did seem like the guys who won, you know, certainly they gave. Like they, they seem to appreciate winning and I hope like as time goes on, like they can appreciate it more. And I hope fans can as well, because yeah, we all know like none of those mean a whole lot compared to a Stanley cup. Obviously the Stanley cup matters a thousand times more and is the only real goal at the end of the day. But those awards do mean something. And like the, those guys should be proud to win them, you know, Bergeron having that many Selkies and winning another in runaway fashion at age 37 is insane. Like that is like a remarkable accomplishment. Allmark, you know, having a losing record before coming to Boston and then develop, you know, growing into a goalie who wins the triple crown, one of only two in the last 30 years to do that, tying the franchise record for wins and then winning a Vezina. Like that's, that's, a remarkable accomplishment. Like he should be really proud of that. Jim Montgomery is a great story. You know, having his coaching career temporarily, temporarily de derailed um, by alcohol addiction, which obviously he has talked about before and talked about in his speech um, and now coming back and, and winning the Jack Adams in his first season and setting regular season wins and points records. Like, yeah, like that's that's a great story. Um, so I do think like those awards should deserve to be celebrated and recognized and appreciated. But I also understand like it, especially for fans, it's really difficult to do that right now because all you care about is that they lost in the first round and your attention is on, you know, what they're going to do this offseason and who's even going to be back. And is it the end of an era? You know, does Bergeron retire? Like, yeah, obviously fans are worried about a lot more than awards. So I get that, you know, no one was really throwing like an NHL awards party and celebrating last night. But, um, you know, I I feel like I'm glad for those, like I'm happy for those guys winning. Um, 
but also understand like why some fans don't don't really care or aren't exactly in a in a mood to celebrate those wins. Yeah, it was incredibly well deserved every single one of those. So, um, <laughs> however, I was talking to Arkan yesterday, and he was like, "This just makes me sad. Like this just just makes it worse. Like salt in the wound that we were." And I was saying, I was like, I had canceled all my plans for June just in case there was a duck boat parade that we were going to be going to. <laughs> like I had made sure not to plan anything in June for Celtics. Bruins, everything was looking great. Then we got the cursed baseball hat. And both, I mean, Celtics obviously made it much further. But it was a, such a very hopeful end of April and, like, into May that never saw it coming that there would be such a, you know, a stark contrast between the accolades that the players are getting and deserve and the difference in what the actual end result was for the team. Um it shows you just how much they should have been able to go further. Um, it's yeah, it, it is what it is. I think Bruins fans, I, I mean, obviously if you're a big Bruins fan, you're still happy for the guys. Um, but it does feel, it, it just does kind of feel like salt in the wounds a little bit to watch it and just see how many guys on your team that you follow, uh, we're right there in the among the best, but couldn't put it together. Yeah, I mean, I, I never would have watched that award show and uh and, and and felt salt in the wounds had they lost in the conference finals or even the Stanley Cup finals. Like you can at least sit there and say, like, you know, they gave it their best. They only one team can win every year, despite what the regular season record was. That said, the first round exit to me was unacceptable because they literally fell to every cliche that was warned about being that team. Like they, they just, they, they were everything that everybody warned about being that president's trophy, historic team. They, 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 they lived up to that. And that's what annoys me the most about this team. Yes. They were that team that fell in the first round to a, to a, to an eight seed. They were that team that choked a three, one series lead away. Like they, they, they were all those things. They were that team that looked nothing like they did in the regular season. So that's what annoys me about the postseason. Not that they didn't win a Stanley Cup. The Stanley Cup is the hardest trophy in sports to win. One team can win it despite how you finish the regular season. But let's be honest. They they fell very, very short of, of, of anything acceptable from based off of what they did in the regular season. So that's what that's what pisses me off about you know how, how things ended. Yeah, but regular season awards are what they are. Like, you know, you can't take anything away from what they did in the regular season, regardless of the outcome in the playoffs. And you it's know that guys... it's just a reminder of like it's just a reminder of yeah this is how good you guys were and this is how you didn't play when it mattered most you know you know that when the guys got there too it was bittersweet it's one thing to win the Vesna if you just won the Stanley Cup and you're like on top of the world that that's you know an on top of the world feeling instead it's a bittersweet feeling for yourself I'm sure being there and you know accepting the award and giving the speech about oh you know thank you so much to my teammates and what and whatnot and just knowing that you didn't it, it's a different feeling to, to go there after you you know won a stanley cup and put it all out there they definitely could feel like they definitely felt like that kid in high school that's walking around the halls and knows everybody's talking about them like whispering about them behind their backs like gossiping about them it's like they they felt like that i mean you walk you walk into an, an award show and like the whole hockey world like watch what happened. Like it's just everybody knows. 
everybody there in that room knew how much the Bruins failed to come close to their goal. Like it, it was, I mean, that's. I don't think I'll ever forget what that room was like after that game seven overtime loss. Like that was just, that was miserable. That was a miserable room. Um, and just stunned. I will say, I think the, at the awards, I think the Bruins were lucky that, so the NHL awards, I love watching them just for how awkward and unintentionally funny they always are. It's like, it's so uncomfortable at times, but the NHL in the past has had like some comedians host who will, you know, really dig into people. And they were, the Bruins are probably glad that like there wasn't a comedian who was going to, you know, reel off like five jokes at their expense. Um, yeah, it's country Dirk, singers. Yeah. Dirk Spenley was the host and he, he like kind of made one at one point, but it was very half hearted and like not, even a good joke. So that, that um, Dirk, he's just too nice. Yeah. So like, I think they were spared like real humiliation or just like constantly being mocked throughout the night, which, you know, you could see like, I don't know. So you put that in Toronto and there's some sort of comedian who's like a Maple Leafs fan or something. Like you, you could have seen that being a much more uncomfortable night for them. Yeah, but then um, you're going to have to turn those jokes back on yourself because you maple leafed again. So, like, yeah, right. it's coming back at you. But, yeah, so, you know, it, it just, it feels like a, like a subdued night. Like, it's just, you recognize that, yeah, those are all nice accomplishments and you're happy for those guys. But, it, like, like yeah, I said, like, it's just a reminder of how good they were and, you know, how short they ultimately came up. Yeah, and then Scott, you gotta go soon because you're you're going on. Are you going on with Jones and Mego or Gresham Fourier? Gresham Fourier. So okay. people, Scott, if Scott people haven't heard enough of me, with... they can they can find that on demand after they listen to this. Yeah, yeah. Scott was on last night with uh, Fitzy and Hart, and I had a chance to put Scotty Popcorn's picture <laughs> on the on the screen when I was running the Twitch. Uh, the commercial break was just a picture of Scott eating popcorn. And then the next one was just Scott as popcorn. (laughs) Um, So he was happy. Yeah, Scotty popcorn. Uh, Anyway, any final thoughts, guys, on Hall and Felino, who we didn't talk about really much at all. But these were two guys that I enjoy talking to throughout the season and always give really nice answers. Um, Mature, very, very mature. Obviously, Felino being a former captain, but Taylor Hall had a lot of emotional maturity. And sometimes I feel like even answered questions that he maybe gave us more details than the team would have liked him to give, um, which is great for us. I, I just, I thought both of those guys were actually pretty stand up guys. So I want to say that before uh, we finish up on, you know, them, them leaving town. Yeah. And I, and I think that'll, that'll be good for Chicago to have those guys, um, you know, good for Felino getting $4 million. I don't think anyone else was going to, give them that but Chicago's a team with oodles of cap space that actually had to get up to the cap floor never mind being anywhere near the ceiling um so they can do that for one year and he'll be a good leader you know that's obviously Chicago's drafting Connor Bedard first overall so I know people are like why would they even want to you know bring in veterans like aren't they rebuilding and it's like well because you want to bring Connor Bedard into like a good culture like you want him to have guys to learn from in terms of how to be a pro and what it takes and 
start to build something there and like not, you know, so like Felino helps with that, obviously a former captain himself. Uh, Taylor Hall, I think helps with that. Like, you know, I think, I think he was a good locker room fit here. I think he has definitely matured. Um, you know, certain, I mean, the Taylor Hall that we saw in Boston was definitely mature. I know you hear stories about him when he was younger, but yeah, he's, but he's 30 now. Yeah. And I would say both of those two guys were two of the most accountable guys, even like in the media, the way that they answered questions, they held themselves accountable. And those are, you know, qualities you'd want around a a young guy like Bedard. Yeah. And and Taylor Hall will probably play in Bedard's wing, which again, like you want him to have good wings when he steps into the NHL. You don't want him playing with two bums and it's like, all right, go figure it out, Connor. You know, you, you're going to carry us. So, uh, Good, good move from the Blackhawks end. And I think, you know, Felino and Hall, obviously they would rather be competing for a Stanley cup. Not neither one of them has ever won one, but I think they'll be professionals and they'll embrace, you know, a, a new role in a, in a new place in Chicago. Would you say that then this was a trade that was a win for both sides? I feel like both sides got what they, what they wanted and, and made themselves, made themselves. Uh, I wouldn't say the Bruins made themselves better by getting rid of Hall, but they put themselves because of the situation they were in, they're able to, to kind of get what they wanted out of it. Well, I'm now that I think about it, what, the Bruins traded away Felino's UFA rights. When you're an unrestricted free agent, what rights do the Bruins have to that player? Just like they can discuss with him prior to other teams. Is that what it yeah. is? Yeah. They, it, it was just negotiating before July 1st. Got it. Okay. Yeah. So um, I think like, Taylor Hall, well, first of all, Connor Bedard can come in and he can turn Chicago. He, if he's as good as his stats say he is and and he's this McDavid Crosby type prospect, like, you know, he could turn Chicago from from basement dwellers into a bubble team in a year. And next thing you know, maybe, maybe people want to go there again because he's there. And, and you know, Chicago struck oil with, with, with like, landing him. It's <laughs> so whatever. And, and Taylor Hall can absolutely benefit, will benefit from that, like, Taylor Hall is more of a long-term probably fixture in Chicago. Like they'll probably, you know, they'll probably maybe try to resign him another couple of years or whatever. And maybe he's going to hop up to like 80 points playing with, with, with Bedard. Nick Foligno, you know, he's an interesting one. Like, you know, Chicago needs a captain. Jonathan Taves is, is, is retired. Um, His leadership is out of the room and maybe they, maybe they slap a C on Nick Foligno for a couple of years and, and, and try to really, and do that's probably what that could be why they're giving him four million dollars to come in and nick we need this culture established for for the long haul and we need you to come in for two three two three years and be our captain here and and until they give bedard the c at 22 right so um yeah, good for both guys um i i thought they were good bruins taylor hall gets a bad gets a bad rap in, in, in local media pundits but like he had nothing to do with the bruins not getting past the first round. In fact, he actually he had Bridget. You mentioned it earlier. He had a good first round series. He took his role in the third line um, without hesitation. And Nick Foligno had a really strong bounce back year up until his injury, and then maybe playoffs. It was tough to kind of get back to full form. Um, but you know, a guy like Nick Foligno is a reason why I I was so certain that this Bruins team wasn't going to flounder in the first round and be that first round casualty because I just thought the this Bruins team had everything. They had they had grit. They had skill. They had depth. So. But regardless, their time in Boston is done, and um, I, I enjoyed watching them, the two of them and, and wish them nothing but the best for sure. Yeah. So, yeah, Scott, you have a you have a hard out in five minutes, so maybe 
any any final comments from either of you guys before we wrap this up? No, I think I'm good. I mean, we didn't really touch on the prospects they get back, but I guess I would say like their their bodies, you know, they might get a chance to compete for an NHL roster spot, more likely they're in Providence. And, you know, we talked about it with Mark Diver, like how thin the Bruins are at defense, just in terms of like, who do they even call up? Like who even gets a chance to compete for a roster spot? So the combination of Mitchell and Regula from Chicago, and then the trade for Riley Walsh from New Jersey, where all they, you know, all they gave up there was um, Shane Bowers, who they just, got for Keith Kincaid last year. Um, you know, so I don't know. They're fringe NHLers. They're guys who can compete. Maybe they, you know, they can get called up during the season. And who knows? Maybe one of them becomes something. You know, Regula is the youngest, so maybe it's him. But, yeah, you know, a couple of dart throws and at the very least some organizational depth that I think they needed on defense. Is it worth reading into the fact that they're all right-handed D-men? I mean, it, it's certainly, yeah, you can certainly look at that and be like, well, those are guys who are going to compete if Connor Clifton's gone, right? Like, mm-hmm. that would make sense. I don't I don't necessarily think it would, like, block them from re-signing Clifton if somehow there ends up being a deal that makes sense and they have the money. Um, because none of those guys are, like, locks for the NHL. So it's not like you're, you know, like, you're not leaving a spot open for them. But if there is a spot there, then you let them compete for it. All right, Bridget, any final thoughts for you? No, we got to let Scotty go. He's a busy man this week. Scotty's got to go. <laughs> all right. <laughs> all right. Thank you. Thank you all for listening. And we'll talk to you very soon.